I want you to, if you would, have your Bibles open to Psalm 42 and 43. Uh, We're putting these two psalms together because it's basically one song. And, um, you know, a couple weeks ago we turned our attention to the psalms, and I love them. I'm grateful for the psalms because, you know, they're, they're... they're so honest. It, it, it reminds me, when I, when I read the Psalms, it helps me recognize that my faith struggles are normal. Because in the Psalms, you have, this, you have a lot of them that are written with these incredible praises, like, God, you're so amazing. You've, you've answered these prayers, and you've done these incredible things. There's also Psalms with, with real honesty, where, where they're saying, God, where are you? God, how are you going to rescue me? And, and they describe this honest journey of faith and suffering at times. Psalm 42 and 43, it's, it's really special to me. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it moves me. And I want to share my heart with you a little bit this morning as we engage this psalm because it's a, it's a psalm of tragedy. It's a psalm that, uh, that we need to wrestle through. You know, um, when Robin and I started ministry years ago when we got married, we, we both came into it with the recognition that God had called us to full-time ministry. God had, uh, both of us had heard at False Creek at different times that God was going to call us into ministry. But when we went into ministry, we didn't recognize that God was going to take us through so much tragedy. Um, you know, it's funny to me, I, I, I kind of have become, I guess, an expert in death and funerals. I, I wrote a dissertation on funerals and dying, and it's great at parties. I mean, people ask, hey, what'd you write on? Oh, it, it, it's a great conversation killer all the time, but get that. Uh, that's a good one. Um, but, um, but, you know, we've wrestled through tragedy. You know, in Psalm 42 and 43, it's this, it's this psalm of a guy that is really in a tough spot. And I've known tough spots. You may have walked into this room in a tough spot. You know, you may have come in and, and, and you're, if, if you put away the smile or the, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's fine. Good to see you. But if you're really honest, you've walked into the room and, and, and you're, you're wondering, God, where are you? God, are you with me? Maybe you're not there now, but you've been there. And you've had those moments when you're like, God, I don't know where you are. Maybe, you, maybe that's coming in your life. You know, I mean, I think about that family in Jinx that was, were killed on Monday. You know, we, we have a distant connection with that situation. In fact, you know what would be probably good? Let's just stop and let's, can we pray for them, for that family? Let's do that. Lord, um, Lord there's, there's a whole community grieving and there are rivals in sports and all those things, but that's just meaningless when it comes to life. So, Lord, we want to stop and pray for them. Lord, I, I really don't know which church is, what believers are walking them through this. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would help them as they deal with sudden loss. I pray that they would feel the prayers of your people today. And I thank you that there are times that you understand that we need to feel prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You know, um, I, I've known sudden tragedy. This week is for us. We're, we're leaving on Wednesday with the ambassadors, and, and we're doing a mission trip uh, with the ambassadors. If you don't know my ambassador story, you ought to Google ambassador baseball because it's one of the coolest baseball stories you've ever seen. But don't do it now because I'm preaching, but do it later. Um, but... Um, but the ambassadors are special to me, and, and this, this ministry is a ministry we started 10 years ago, and it was founded in a tragedy. And nine of us from our church are going to join the ambassadors on a baseball mission trip. Didn't that sound awesome? I mean, mission trips are supposed to be suffering, right? And, uh, and we're going to go use baseball to share the gospel, and tons of people come. It's the coolest thing. And, um, but it was founded in a tragedy. On, March, on June 2nd, 2002, one of my students was uh, named Baseball Player of the Year for the state of Oklahoma. Justin Sullivan was a UConn baseball player. And, and on June 3rd, the day after being named Player of the Year, he was driving westbound on I-44. Semi-truck was driving eastbound. The back wheels of the truck broke off the trailer, crossed the median, hit his car, killed him instantly. At, at 11.30, the head coach at OU said, Justin, I want you to be a Sooner. Uh, at 12.45, he had died. And um, was about to be drafted by the White Sox. His best friend and his girlfriend walked away with scratches. And Justin died. I had to stand and preach his service. That was the catalyst of the ambassadors. And we started a baseball team, and we share the gospel. And, and it's been amazing. It, this week, as I studied Psalm 42 and 43, I sat down and I wrote out some of the tragedies that we've gone through, some of the things that we've experienced. And, and you know, uh, our first year of the ambassadors, we had a kid that came on our team named Tyler Johnson. And Tyler was a really great baseball player from Blanchard, Oklahoma. And, and, uh, and he played on our team. He was phenomenal. Um, and uh, he was an outfielder for us. And a couple of years after the ambassador started, he calls me, come to the hospital. And I go to the hospital, and, and his brother, Nathan, who was a uh, baseball player for southeastern Oklahoma State, he was from Latta, Oklahoma. If you've ever heard of Latta, they are the Owasso dynasty of small school baseball in Latta, Oklahoma. And Nathan played for Latta, and Nathan had gone, gotten into a tough man contest, and he, and he won his semifinal fight. And after being declared the winner, walks over to his corner, collapses, goes into a coma, and never wakes up. And I had, to, I had the opportunity, the calling to walk that family, those friends, multiple communities through that funeral service of Nathan Johnson. I, I, there was a kid that came on our team named Luke Sandoval. Luke was from Weatherford, Oklahoma, and, and uh, he uh, was a really good player. He, he, he made the varsity team as a freshman in high school. And on the day of his first game in high school, his first varsity game that he ever got to play, uh, his dad was a missionary and a pilot. His dad takes off from Wiley Post Airport in Oklahoma City. As he takes off, he flies over a, a bird or a like wildlife refuge, all these birds fly up, hit the airplane, go into the engine, and it crashes, and Luke's dad dies his freshman year of high school. He comes on our team as he's grieving the loss of his father. He's going to be going to Nicaragua with us on Wednesday because he's now one of our coaches, and we've watched him go through grief. There was a, a kid that was on our team uh, you know, we had uh, two twins, two brothers that came on our team from UConn. And, and, uh, and the first week of the ambassadors, their dad has a massive heart attack. And, 
and dies by the end of the summer. And then this last year, last August, I get a phone call on a Friday night um, from a pastor in, in Kingfisher, Scott Watkins. And Scott said, did you hear about Coach V? I go, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Coach David Valoran, the very first coach I hired for the ambassadors, he, he was with us from the beginning. He was such an incredible coach. He, you may have heard about it on the news. David had, had, was driving down I-40, and there was a rollover accident in front of him. And he, he's got his wife and his two children in his car. And, and, and he sees this rollover ask, accident. He pulls four people out of an overturned car, and he, and he puts them in his car, and it's raining. And for some reason, he and another lady go back to the car that was overturned. And as they walk back another distracted driver has a car has an accident flips over hits him and kills him instantly and I mean and, and, and all these things happened while we're walking with the Lord you know I mean it was not like we were in major rebellion or or doing stupid things or we were just walking with the Lord tragedy happened you know that's Psalm 42 and 43 you know, it's interesting as you look at this incredible psalm and, 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 and we process the fact that there are times tough circumstances will come to us. And this is why we've got to make sure, and it frustrates me as a pastor, that, that I hear all these preachers that get up and, and proclaim this health, wealth, and prosperity kind of teaching that say, look, if you follow Jesus, you'll always be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And, and folks, that's just not what the Bible says. And I pray that we are a group of people that grow up in our faith, and we're able to recognize false teaching when we hear it. Because the Bible is full of this reality, full of stories, and full of very explicit instruction. Like Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said this, I've told you these things. In me, you may have peace, but in the world, you will have trouble. Take heart because I have overcome the world. And so we've got to recognize that tough times will come to us. And Psalm 42 and 43 is this incredible example of a believer that is walking through a very difficult time that he didn't create. And here's what I want us to catch today. And, and here's the, the big thing that we've got to come away with. There will be circumstances in life that we will face that will be chaotic and difficult. And the miracle of walking with Jesus is not that he protects us from difficult times. The miracle of walking with Jesus is that he walks us through difficult times. And I pray we don't miss that. Now, Psalm 42 and 43, as, as I think about my encounter with this psalm, as I think about my journey in life, you see, number one, if you're following on your notes, heartache is unavoidable for everyone. All of us are going to face heartache. And, and this psalm is a psalm of instruction. And, and if you'll notice in your Bible, it, it will say something like, 
uh, the sons of Korah. It was inten- intended for the director of music. David didn't write this psalm. It was, a, it was written by the sons of Korah, and they were Levites, and, and we encounter them in 1 Chronicles chapter 6. And, and their job was to produce and perform music while the, while the tabernacle was in the wilderness. And, and that was their job. And they wrote this psalm that was so honest. And, and it's, it points to the fact that even the strongest believers will face despair at times. And we got to recognize this. And what I want us to do over the next few minutes is, is turn our attention to the man of, of this psalm. The writer of the psalm, let's learn some things from him. One of the things we see about him is that he's a godly man who's become spiritually dry. That's what's happened in the psalm. Look at verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. These things as I remember, as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. He says, look, God, my soul pants for you. I want to meet with you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been dry spiritually? And you're like, God, I just want to sit with you. This is a godly man who has been longing to sit with the Lord. He's like, Lord, I long for the, my soul thirst for the living God. He, we know about in verse, verse 4, he was a leader. He was one of the ones that used to go lead people to the house of God. This is a godly man. But he's in a really tough spot. He's spiritually dry. And all of us have been there. We, you may have walked in the room today and you're spiritually dry. Well, well, you know what? That's, I'm, I'm glad you're here. There are times we will all face those moments. There'll be times when we will face crisis and, and doubt and, and, and confusion, and that's where this guy is. You know, verse 5, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? This depression he's struggling through. Put your hope in God, he says, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I, therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. He's like, Lord, I'm going to remember what you've done. This is a godly man who's spiritually dry. Second thing we see about him, he didn't bring this pain on himself. Nowhere in this passage do you see a reason why this guy is facing this sort of suffering. Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 51, really incredible passage of, of David wrote, and, and we're going to unpack that next, next week. It's, it's actually one of the, the greatest passages of repentance that's recorded in the scripture. And, and it's, it's the reason David repented is because he sinned. He disobeyed God, and, and he rightly repented. And, and there are times that, that we face suffering and face difficulty because we do things that are not right. But let me tell you something. There are times, like what Psalm 42 and 43 communicate, that we didn't do anything. We just have to face difficulty. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love at night. His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. I mean, this is a, a man that nowhere in this psalm do you see him saying, yeah, I, des- I, I did something. This is, no, this is a tough time. 
And, and sometimes that happens. And this is why I pray we are a group of people that grow up in our faith so much that, that we don't shift with our circumstances. But we are people that say, God, we will walk with you regardless of the circumstance that we're in. Man, this is what I pray we become. And look at this. We not only see that he didn't cause it, he's in a hostile environment. Look at his environment. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Look at 43, verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? This guy's in a hostile environment. And folks, that's the world we're moving into. I mean, I think about my atheist friend who, who I love deeply, but, but he posted a big deal this week, and I... I mean, I didn't comment on it because it's just a fight with us. But, but the truth is, I love him. But there have been many times that he's just frustrated me. We have a mutual friend and his son died. This mutual friend's son died. And the first thing that he said, my friend said, yeah, your God really helped you, didn't he? I wanted to punch him in the nose in Jesus' name, of course. But... <laughs> Um, you know, have you ever had those moments where you're like, God's going to get you, and he's going to use me to do it, and I can't wait. You know, that's not right. No. I, I'm sorry, I'm human. But, but he's in a hostile environment. But I love his honesty. I love his honesty going, God, help me, rescue me. Not only that, but he doesn't understand why this is happening. You ever been there? Have you ever gone through something you're like, God, I don't get it. Why, why is this happening? Look at verse 5 in chapter 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where's your God? He's like, God, I don't get it. You know, there are times... We may not understand what God's doing. You see here that God's not rescued him from the difficulty. God could have rescued him. Verse, verse 7 or verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. You know, this guy's grieving. You know, God could have rescued him, but he doesn't. And, and you know, there are times that all of us have been depressed like this faced a difficulty like this and are like, God, I don't get it. God, I don't know where you are. I don't know how to get through this. But what I love about a psalm like this and why it's important for us today to, regardless of where we are, whether you're, maybe you're not in a tragic time, maybe you're not in a difficulty right now. But if that difficulty comes in the future, what do we do? What do we see in this man that we've got to grab a hold of and we've got to learn from? Because his soul is downcast, but in the midst of this downcast soul, you see him trusting in God. 
You see him saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And, and I love what he does here. And I want us to pay attention and turn a spotlight on what he does because he changes his focus here. Sure, he is honest about his questions. And he asks the question, why, of course, all through this. But can I tell you what he focuses on? He focuses on the how, not the why. And, and this is where we got to be. When, when we go through tough times, you, we've got to turn our face to the how. How do we get through it? How do we walk through this? And I want us to pay attention to what he does. What does he do here? Well, first thing he does, he practices biblically accurate self-talk. Okay, you talk to yourself? Anybody talk to yourself? I mean, we talk to ourselves, don't we? I mean, we talk to ourselves all the time. And, and, and it's important for us that when we talk to ourselves, that we're biblically accurate when we talk to ourselves. Sometimes we tell, our tell ourselves things we shouldn't tell ourselves. You ever done that? Okay, well, right here, this guy is practicing biblically accurate self-talk. And I want you to notice the chorus. Have you, have you caught the chorus of this song? He repeats it three times. Look at verse Verse 5 in chapter 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Then what does he say? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior. Look at verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Look at 43, verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And see, we sang, Joe sang that song at the beginning of the service, and, and this is a tough song to sing, and we know it, and we hear it, and we like it, but then when we have to live it, we go, wow, Lord, I don't know. That song about you give and you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is the, the goal that we have as believers, that regardless of the circumstance, we will be a people that say, God, we will put our faith in you. We will trust you. We will walk with you even when we don't understand you. And that's important. He practices biblically accurate self-talk. Second thing he does, he never stops praying. This guy is constantly going to the Lord. Look at verse 8 in chapter 42. Uh, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. All through this psalm, he never stops praying. And when you find yourself in difficulty, we want to run away from the Lord at times. We're tempted to not go to the Lord. But look what he does. He continually comes to to the Lord. I'm going to meet with you. Lord, I'm seeking you. Lord, I'm thirsty for you. I'm going to you. And this is what we got to do. When tough times come, even when we don't understand the tough times, when we feel like, I don't deserve this tough time, Lord, we still go and seek him in prayer. God, I'm going to come to you. Aren't you grateful that God never tires of you coming to him? Isn't that awesome? I'm grateful for that. He never stops praying. What else does he do? Third, he accepts God's plan. In the midst of this, he's like, God, I'm trusting you. I accept your plan. He says this in, uh, in verse 7 in chapter 42, an incredible statement that you've got to just think about for a while. Deep calls to deep. 
in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. We sang that just a few minutes ago. I mean, like, like your, your waves are crashing over me. You know what? There are, that's, a, that's an acceptance of God's plan. He accurately says, God, you could stop this. But if you don't, it's okay. If your waves continue to crash over me, it's okay. Because look what he says um, in, in verse 8. Your waves are swept over me. Verse 7, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. I mean, he's going, God, you're the rock. But he does say, why have you forgotten me? He's honest in his, in his struggle, but he's like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But you know what? You're my rock. You're my God. And I guarantee you when we get to heaven and get to talk to this guy, I guarantee he's going to say, you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it. The struggle was worth it. And that's the reality of all struggles we go through. There are many times I don't understand God's plan. There have been many times I've sat with families and, and I've been hurting and I'm like, God, I don't get it. But I'm learning day by day to trust his heart in the midst of the difficulties that I face. And this guy accepts God's plan. Fourth thing he does, and I, I can relate to this. He works through his fits. Have you ever had a fit? Have you ever thrown a fit with the Lord? I mean, this guy's throwing fits, isn't he? And you know what? Aren't you grateful that God is patient with us when we throw our fits? And what I love about this guy, he works through those fits. Look at verse, verse 3 in chapter 42 or 43. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and God. What I love about this, he works through it. What does he do? He's like, Lord, I'm going to praise you. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep getting my harp out and my lyre, and I'm going to sing to you because I need you because it's in those acts of worship and praise that God helps him work through his fits. And that's why those times when, when we're struggling, and, I'm, and if you're in that midst of that difficulty and that trial and you're here today, I'm so grateful because what you've done, you've said, Lord, I'm going to worship you. Help me work through the fits. And let me tell you something. There are times you and I will have to work through our fits. And the last thing I see here, what this guy does, it's so incredible. He demonstrates unshakable convictions. I mean, look at his convictions. Verse 4, chapter 43. Then I will go to the altar of my God, to God my joy and my delight. I'm going to go. Look at his conviction. I'm going to go. 
I'm going, Lord. I'm going to go worship you. I'm going to go honor you. I'm going to trust you. I will praise you with the, with the harp. Oh, God, my God. Whether it's difficult or not, he's making a decision. God, I will praise you. I will trust you. Look at that conviction. Let's listen to that. Let's hear that today. That when, that for us to be a group of people that says, Lord, regardless of the circumstances, we will trust you. We will praise you. We will serve you. We will honor you. And he says, verse 5, again, he repeats the chorus. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. As I think back of my journey with the ambassadors, of God sending us people like Chris Kuykendall, who was from Enid, Oklahoma, played for us, and a phenomenal quarterback and great athlete, great baseball player. His junior year of high school, he's coming home from his girlfriend's house. He, he um, was foggy on a two-lane road, and he passes a, a, an SUV driving kind of slow. And as he pulls out to pass, he didn't realize that there was a motorcycle coming at 100 miles an hour on the other side of the road. And as he pulls out and goes to pass, has a head-on collision with that motorcycle, and that man died. And Chris came on our team wrestling through the difficult reality that I took a life driving my car. And you know what? I don't understand all the circumstances that take place. But as I read my Bible, as I interact with the men and women of Scripture, I don't see this health, wealth, and prosperity. I see Jesus with no place to lay his head. I see men and women who, who without regret and without doubt said, Lord, I will walk with you and I will serve you. And somehow, in some way, when we get to heaven, all of our struggles, I believe, will be part of the glory that, that the Lord walked us through. And I think that we'll be, we'll be really grateful for the, for the heartache that we faced here. But I think that when we get to heaven... And we rub shoulders with all these men in Scripture that, that set the example for us, like the apostles who, who walked through incredible persecution and difficulty, like, like Peter and, and John and, and the, the women who went to the tomb for Jesus and, and the early church as they suffered for the name of Christ. I mean, think about Paul, for example. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was arrested. I mean, at one point, people were trying to kill him, so they lowered him in a basket out a window so he could escape with his life and what does Paul write in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 he says this we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us as we look at our bodies the suffering we go through our bodies in, our, in this world it is a treasure have you thought about that have you thought about that the difficulty that we go through is a treasure? It's a treasure in jars of clay. It belongs to God and not to us. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, 
persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death, in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And as I look at my journey of suffering and the times that I have faced questions of God, I come, I've come to understand that it is the working of God in me that points a dying world to a Savior. And folks, that's why I pray we should listen to biblically accurate self-talk. I pray that we don't ever stop praying, that, that we accept God's plan, that we work through our fits, that we demonstrate unshakable convictions. Man, that's what I pray we become. No, no, that's who we must become. As men and women that walk with the Lord. And, and you know what? There have been many times in my life I don't know how to play the lyre or the harp. But I learned to play guitar a long time ago because I had to fit in with my wife and her family. I learned to play this a little bit. And, and you know what? There were times in my life that I said, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. And I would get my guitar out, and, and there's one song I'd always sing. There's a, uh, my best man in my wedding, the guy who's the best man in my wedding, his sister wrote songs. She still does. She writes songs. And if you listen to Christian music, you've probably heard some of her songs. Her name's Christy Knuckles. And Christy, when she was in college, would come over to our house and say, hey, I wrote a new song. And we'd go, well, sing it. Eric would get his guitar out, they'd play, and she'd sing it, and we'd be like, oh, my goodness, that's really good. It's really good. And she wrote this song, came over to our house one night, wrote this song. Her parents actually go to our church. They were in the first service. She came, came to our house, and she goes, I wrote this song, and, and, and she's never recorded it. She was here last Christmas, and I was like, please record that song. But she never has. But it's my favorite song, and I can't tell you how many times in my brokenness, in my questions of God, I sat down and got my guitar and, and sang this to the Lord. And I want to teach it to you. And I've asked Robin to help me because she sings, she makes me look better. And, um, and I'm more of a rapper anyway. And, uh, and so, but I want to, I want to teach it to you. How big you are, the voice could never tell, earthly eyes could never see, all that you can be, and let you take the time to walk me through the chaos of my life, your grace overwhelms me. God, how big you are, your grace overwhelms me, God, how big you are. What I love about that song, think about the words, how big you are, a voice could never tell, earthly eyes could never see all that you can be, but yet you take the time 
to walk me through the chaos of my life. Your grace overwhelms me. God, how big you are. Can you sing it with us? How big you are, the voice could never tell. Earthly eyes could never see all that you can be. Yet you take the time to walk me through the chaos of my life. Your grace overwhelms me. God, how big you are, your grace overwhelms me. God, how big you are. You know, we're going to go into invitation. And as we do, what has God said to you today? Are you in that moment where you're like, God, I don't see you? Are you at that point where you're saying, God, I don't see you right now? Don't let anything distract. I don't want that noise in here. Don't let it distract you. God, are you at that point where you're saying, God, I will trust you regardless if you take this burden away or not? I'll trust you. Maybe you need to come and just get on your knees and say, Lord, I, I'm going to put my hope in you. Yet I will praise you. Maybe you need to stand and just sing this song. Uh, God, I'm just going to say out loud how big you are until I start believing it. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Oh, can I, can I tell you, crisis will come to you and you don't want to walk through it without him. Oh, goodness. The lost world looks at us and says, oh, you need a crutch. No, we need a savior. That's what we need. You need a savior. You need, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. Can you see how big he is? Can you see how much he loves you? Can you see the sacrifice he made for you? Can you recognize that this world is not our home? Come to Jesus today.